Take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 25. Matthew in chapter 25. I just want you to find your place. We'll be there in a moment. Lord willing, I think that's the only place we'll be in our Bible, so you can put your ribbon there or your gospel track or your grocery list, whatever you got. Mark your page there, Matthew chapter 25. 23 years ago, I was 31 years old, and I was one year into having started a church. And I quickly came to realize that I was in way over my head. I was not your age, I was 31, and uh, in many ways probably a novice. And um, the Lord was blessing. We had moved from just family in our home to a storefront, which was a Tupperware room that we rented out on Sunday. And we'd have to come in and set things up and break things down just like you're doing. And we had a motto. We would turn the Tupper room into the upper room. And we had a good time with that. And so many stories that are, that are coming to my mind, things that you are going to experience very similar. I would, I would encourage you to have someone be a historian for your church and to document well all the things that the Lord does because it will be amazing as you look back how clearly you'll see the sovereign providential hand of God in leading you. And you want to have that to reflect upon. Someone just got a job in the church, sorry. <laughs> God was blessing, and, and, and it was God. It wasn't me. And, and I, I realized, boy, I, if this thing is going to continue to go forward, if God's going to continue to build it, I need help. And I, I, I saw that Dr. Tom Williams, that name might not mean anything to most of you, but Dr. Tom Williams is a great man of God up in years now, and he's known for many things, but he is a great man of prayer. And I saw that he was going to be hosting uh, what I believe was his first ever prayer conference. And I said, I need to get there. I need to go sit under Dr. Tom Williams. I need to learn something more about prayer and how to pray. And, uh, and I'm still learning. Amen. And, uh, and so I thought, well, at that point, we were, we were a year in. We probably had a core at that point of 30 or 40. We'd have more people come, but a core of 30 or 40. And so I thought, well, I'm going to announce this to the church. And I thought, you know, maybe I would have one or two men that would go with me and that would be great. And so I announced it. I put up a sign-up sheet. Two people signed up. Two ladies, widow ladies in their early 70s. Francis Shook and Katie Bellapani. They're both in heaven with the Lord and have been for many years. But me, the 31-year-old pastor, and I think they were 72 and 74 at the time, if I remember. We, we boarded on a plane and we flew out to Bozeman, Montana to go to a prayer conference. And it was, it was a blessing and so helpful. But while we were there at the conference, there was opportunity to do some, some sightseeing, some hit some tourist attractions. And so, of course, we went to Yellowstone National Park. How many of you have ever visited Yellowstone National Park? Would you lift your hand up? All right, I thought it might be more than that. What a beautiful place if you have the opportunity to go. There are over 200 geysers in Yellowstone National Park, but there is one geyser that stands out 
from all the others. It's not the largest geyser in size, nor does its jets of water and steam reach the greatest height whenever it erupts. And yet, it is by far the most loved and the most frequently visited of all of the over 200 geysers that exist in Yellowstone National Park. And its popularity is due to one thing. It's dependability. Every 65 minutes, it shoots a steam of boiling hot water over 170 feet in the air. And you can almost set your watch by it. It takes place every 65 minutes. They call that geyser Old Faithful. You know, there are many things in life that you could call faithful. The sun is faithful to rise every morning and to set every evening. The ocean's tide is faithful to come in and go out twice a day. The earth revolves in uh, full orbit around the sun once every 365 days. The earth makes one complete rotation on its axis every 24 hours. There are many things in life that we could look at and say that it is faithful. But there is one who is more faithful than all of these. Our God is faithful. God is faithful to His nature, and so He never acts out of character. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He changes not. And I've come this morning, first of all, I want to remind you, and may we rejoice and give glory unto Him today. I want you to know that if, if God, if the Creator God, if the God of the Bible, if, if Jesus Christ is your God and Savior, you have a faithful God. Our God is faithful. Lamentations chapter 3, verse 22 and 23 says, It is of the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Listen, great is thy faithfulness. Every day we as Christians experience the faithfulness of God, whether you recognize it or not, whether you acknowledge it or not, whether you give praise to Him or not. Listen to me. If you are a child of God, every single day of your life, you experience the faithfulness of God. When we are touched by sin, aren't you glad that God is faithful to keep us in His family? That when our lives are touched by sin, God doesn't say, I'm, I'm done with you, and He kicks you out of His family and takes away your salvation. No, listen to me. When we are touched by sin, God remaineth faithful. He keeps us in His family. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8 and 9 says, Who shall confirm you unto the end, that ye may be blameless in the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. When we are touched by sin, God is faithful. When we are tempted to sin, God is faithful. And He always provides a way to escape it. 
First Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. When we are touched by sin, God is faithful. When we are tempted to sin, God is faithful. And can I tell you furthermore, when we are tangled in sin, God remains faithful to forgive us and to cleanse us. For 1 John chapter 1 and verse 9 says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Oh, yes, listen to me. Our God is faithful. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11, it describes the second coming of Jesus. And here is what we read. And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war My point is this, God is faithful and we should be also. That's what I want to talk to you about today, this matter of faithfulness. But I want to preface it all by saying, listen, why should you and I be faithful? Because our God is faithful. Because our Father is faithful, we as His children ought to be faithful. As I thought about this meeting and began to pray and ask the Lord for some direction as to what He would have me to share with you from the Word of God. And as I took a trip down memory lane and went back to those years in which I started a church. And I remembered as a pastor what I needed more than anything was the faithfulness of my God. But after that, what I needed was the faithfulness of a group of people. Because let me tell you something, God can and will do great things in and through us and for us if we will just be faithful. The wise King Solomon asked a great question in Proverbs chapter 20 and verse 6. He said, most men will proclaim everyone his own goodness, but a faithful man who can find God is here this morning. He's always where the believer is. He dwells within us. And He promises to be with us in a very special way when we gather in His name to worship Him and to look towards Him. Can I tell you, God is here today, and I believe that what He's looking for specifically today is He's looking for men and women and young people who will be faithful. Or to help us better understand what faithfulness is and what faithfulness does, Jesus told us an amazing story in Matthew chapter 25. We call it the parable of the talents. And it teaches us three great truths about God and His desire, even His demand for our faithfulness. I want to talk to you about faithfulness. If you're in the habit of writing or marking in your Bible, I want to give you three truths today in regards to this matter 
of our faithfulness and what it means to God and what God thinks about it. And I want you to let the Spirit of God drive these things deep into your heart today. Maybe write them down in your Bible. Let's go to the Lord together in prayer. Father, I do thank you for this day, the time together gathered. And your name has already been wonderful and sweet. And now we look to you and we listen to the Spirit of God and we uh, Lord, abide in your word, and we pray that you would do a work in our heart, Lord. I pray that some decisions would be made in this very hour, these next few moments. I pray that you would do such a convicting and convincing work in the hearts of these, your people, that they would make some decisions in regards to this matter of faithfulness that will be instrumental in this church going forward and what you do in the future. We pray and ask this now in Jesus' name. Amen. Three things I want you to notice today from this story that Jesus told that communicates to us in a powerful way about this matter of faithfulness and, and how much it matters to God. How much it means to God. And I want you to know, if I can speak on behalf of your pastor, if there would be one thing that I would say, and he would probably say too. He said, Pastor, what do you need from us? What can we do to be used of God to help you to establish this work and see this work grow? It's simply this, faithfulness. Faithfulness. And I want you to notice three things First of all, this matter of faithfulness has to do with how God regards responsibility. What does God think about the responsibilities that you have been charged with in every area of your life? Because God takes responsibility very serious. And most of us wear many hats in life. And, and we have, uh, you know, we have a responsibility to our spouse and we have a responsibility to our children. We have a responsibility to our, our job. We, we have numerous responsibilities. And God says in regards to all of them, if they're responsibilities that God wants you to undertake in your life, then God's standard, how God regards that responsibility is this. He wants you to be faithful in every area that he has given you responsibility. You see, faithfulness is not something that God just admires or even merely desires. Faithfulness is something that God requires. Requires it. Are you there in Matthew chapter 25? Look with me at verse 14 and 15. Jesus is speaking. He's telling this story, the story, the parable of the talents. And he says, For the kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country who called his own servants and delivered unto them, watch this, his goods. The master called the servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, to every man according to his several ability. And straightway, speaking of the master, he took his journey." The parable of the talents. We see Jesus tells this story. And he says, the master calls his servants unto him. And he gives to one of them five talents, one of them two talents, and one of them one talent. The word talent here refers to a measure of money. Now certainly there are lessons to be learned here about money management. But this story is really not about money management. This story is about life management. This story is not so much about how you handle money, although it's inclusive of that. This story is about 
What you do with the life that God has given you. What you do with the opportunities that God has given to you. What you do with your abilities, your talents, your your gifts, your personality, your intellect. This story is all about how God expects you to manage the totality of the life that he has given to you. Everything in your life. How he expects you to manage it. Now, literally, talents are a measure of money. But symbolically... The talents in this story represent our responsibilities in life. Now, in this parable, the master represents God. The servants represent us who know the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, believers, Christians. And notice that the talents were given from the master to the servants. They were his and he gave it to them on loan. Everything you have is on loan from God. And so he's saying, listen, you see, in the truest and strictest sense, this is one of the most important lessons you'll ever learn about your life. We are owners of nothing. We are owners of nothing, but we are stewards of everything. And God says, everything I've given to you in life, I want you to be responsible about it. And the standard of your responsibility and all that I've given you is faithfulness. So in this parable, the master represents God, the servants represent us, and the talents represent responsibilities. Again, responsibility has to do with our stewardship, our wise management of all of the abilities and all of the opportunities that God has entrusted to you with expectations that you would use it for His glory. And the very fact that God has given to each of us, all of us, talents, abilities, opportunities that we are charged with the stewardship of, the the faithful management of, that we are supposed to use them for His honor and His glory, the fact that He has given it to us automatically clues us in on the fact that God requires faithfulness. Let me give you what I believe is a good definition of faithfulness. Faithfulness is doing your duty until your duty is done. Amen? In other words, until... The rapture takes place and Jesus comes and takes us out of this world or you leave this world through the door of death. Faithfulness is doing your duty until your duty is done. To put it another way, faithfulness is simply taking every opportunity to use every ability for God's glory. Notice that verse 15 says that each man was given talents according to his ability. You understand God doesn't give you more responsibility than you can handle in His strength? I've heard people say, well, God will not put more on you than you can handle. That's not true. God will put more on you than you can handle. But God will not put more on you than you can handle in His strength. Amen? And God, listen, God will not give you, He will not entrust you with more than you can responsibly handle for His glory. You want to know how, why you have the amount of money you have? 
Because that's what the amount of money God knows he can trust you with and expect you to be responsible with. If God gave some of us the measure of wealth that we'd like to have, it would destroy us. And so God graciously denies it and doesn't give it to us. God will not give you more money than you can responsibly handle. Hey, listen, do you know God will not give you more authority than you can responsibly handle? He'll not give you more duties in life than what you can handle. And so if God has given it to you, he's saying to you, you can do it. You can't do it in your own strength, but in my strength, if you'll learn to be filled with my spirit and walk with me, you can do what I have given you to do. Now, every servant was given at least one talent. So that means that every servant is also a steward. First Corinthians chapter four and verse two says, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found what? Faithful. Now, we're all stewards and we all are to be faithful in our stewardship. Stewardship, again, meaning management. And I want to repeat, we are owners of nothing. We are stewards of everything. Now, like it or not, say fair, unfair, cry foul. I'm going to tell you the, the, the honest reality is this. Not everyone is born with equal ability. Not everyone in life is given by God equal opportunity. But God expects everyone to exercise equal responsibility to take every opportunity we have to use all of the ability that we've been given for God's glory. Amen. And that's why I believe with all of my heart, the greatest ability is dependability. Yeah. I've heard people say before, the greatest ability is availability. I don't believe that. Oftentimes there is a reason why people are available. <laughs> they're available because they're not responsible. The greatest ability is not just being available. I can do it because I don't have anything else to do. Yeah, you don't have anything else to do because nobody trusts you to give you that responsibility. In fact, I've always said, if you need something done, give it to someone that's really busy. Give it to someone that has a lot on their plate because they've proven they'll come through. And so our greatest ability is dependability. Number one, how God regards responsibility, he takes it very serious. And he expects us, what does he expect from us in regards to all of our responsibilities in life? Faithfulness. He doesn't expect you to do this and leave this undone. No, if it's a responsibility that God has seen fit to give you in life, you can be responsible in all of those areas and you ought to be. You should be faithful to it. Number two, faithfulness also tells us something about how God requires accountability. First of all, how God regards responsibility, He expects faithfulness. Secondly, I want you to see from this story how God requires accountability. Now look at our text, verses 16 through 19. It says, then he that had received the five talents went and traded with the same and made them five other talents. And likewise, he that had received two, he also gained other two. But he that had received one went and digged in the earth and hid his Lord's money. 
Now, look right up here. Listen to me. I'm sorry. Look at verse 19. Verse 19 is key to our point here. After a long time. Listening. After a long time, the Lord of those servants cometh and talk to me. Reckoneth with them. There's a day of reckoning. You see, this story tells us something about the fact that God requires accountability. The master in this parable, he returns and we're told in verse 19 that he reckoneth with them. What that means is this. He called his servants together and he required from them their accounting. It was audit day. He was saying, what have you done with what I entrusted you with? I loaned you something. I get, hey, you're not self-made. You are what you are by the grace of God. And God says, I hold you accountable for what you do with the life that I gave you and all that that includes. Your possessions. Your abilities. Your opportunities. What you have, God has given you. And what God gives you, you are to use. Hey, God's not concerned about what you don't have. He's concerned about what you do with what you do have. And we've got too many folks bemoaning and bellyaching and complaining and making excuses because of what they feel like they don't have. And God's saying, listen, what I'm interested in is what are you doing with what you do have? What you have, God has given you. What God gives you, you are to use. And listen to me, God will hold you accountable for what you do with all that he gives you and entrust you to use wisely and manage for His glory. You want to be faithful or dependable, if for no other reason for this reason. Let me tell you why you want to be faithful and dependable. Because God holds you accountable. Write this down and don't forget it. God has invested talents in us, and God has invented tasks for us. Let me say that again. God has invested talents in us and God has invented tasks for us. We're all different. We don't all have the same abilities. We don't all have the same talents and gifts. All of us haven't had the same opportunity in life. Some folks in here, God has given you the opportunity to receive a, a formal education, maybe on, on a college level. There may be someone in here, you, you didn't even have the opportunity to get a high school diploma. We don't all have the same gifts. We don't all have the same abilities. We don't all have the same talents. Some folks have what we would maybe consider a head start in life. Others are, you know, born with disabilities and have hardships and handicaps. Listen, we don't all have equal gifts and abilities and talents, but that doesn't change the fact that God expects equal faithfulness from all of us. And God has a place of service for all of you. God gave one servant in this story, five talents, one, two, and one, one. Say, Pastor, why did he do it that way? Because it's God's and it was his and he could do with it what he wanted to do. 
It's called the sovereignty of God. Why was I born in the United States of America instead of the Congo? No other reason other than God said, this is my sovereign will. God invests talents in us, and then God invents tasks for us to exercise those talents in, using them for His honor and His glory. And we should be faithful. And that's, listen, I'm still preaching, so don't get your shoes put on yet. I want to remind you of just a sampling of some areas that we need to be mindful that we should be faithful in. But the big picture of this whole message, when it's all said and done, I'm going to ask you to consider God's faithfulness to you in your life. And then I'm going to ask you to consider your level of faithfulness to him. And I'm going to ask you to up the ante, if I can say it that way. I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to God today and on a secondary level, even to make a a commitment to this pastor that you will be a faithful Christian. Can I suggest some areas that would be good for us just to consider various hats that we have, different responsibilities that we have in life? Let me say, number one, we ought to be faithful in our work. We ought to be faithful in our work. Ecclesiastes chapter 9 and verse 10 says, Whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with all thy might. Listen, as, as believers, as ambassadors of Christ, as representatives of Jesus Christ, wherever you work, whatever you do for a living, you ought to be faithful to your work. If you're a Christian, you ought to be the best employee wherever you work. To be faithful in your work means you show up on time and you don't leave early. You don't milk the clock and you don't watch the clock. You give an honest day's work for an honest day's wage. You work hard every single day. You do your very best. You do it as unto God. But then can I quickly say you ought to work as hard in the work of God as you do in your vocational work. You ought to work as hard. And be, listen, anything less is to be unfaithful. Be faithful in your work. Number two, be faithful in your wealth. Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and verse 11, If ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon or money, who will commit to you the true riches? Jesus was saying if you cannot be trusted with earthly riches, he could never trust you with eternal riches. Do you know money is the cheapest, the least valuable of all of God's blessings? It is. I know some of you live for it. It's all you think about. I mean, you chase it. You're after the dollar, pursuing the American dream. You're always wanting more. You're always thinking, well, if I can just get to the next level, if I can get my 401k built up to that, then I'm going to start giving to the work of God and help get the gospel around the world. And, and, And money, money, money. Money's the cheapest of God's blessings. Don't misunderstand me. It's a blessing. It's a blessing. We need money, right? Money makes the world go round. We have to pay our bills. But it's the cheapest of all of the blessings of God on your life. I know you don't believe me. You don't believe me. But if you got terminal cancer tomorrow, you'd give every penny you had to be healed. If your child was a prodigal or lost out in the world, a drug addict in the pig pen, let me tell you something, you'd give everything you had for your child to come back home. 
Are you listening to me? Money's a blessing from God, but it's down toward the bottom of the list. But we ought to be faithful with our wealth. You know what that means? First of all, we ought to be tithing Christians. The tithe belongs to the Lord. Now, God's plan for the local New Testament church, listen to me, God uses the tithe to finance the local work of the church. And then God uses above the tithe missions giving to finance a global work. But we ought to be faithful. Listen, someone says, boy, you know, if I ever won that lotto, I'd give so much to the church. No, you wouldn't. You're a liar. You wouldn't. Listen, if you can't give God a penny out of every dime, if you can't give him a dime every, out of every dollar, don't tell me what you'd do if you had thousands or millions. To be faithful in our wealth means that we are committed to give a, 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 a dime out of every dollar to the Lord. It's His. It's the tithe. And then we need to learn to give above that grace giving. Well, nobody's saying amen except the pastor, so I'm going to move on. We ought to be faithful in our work. We ought to be faithful in our wealth. Can I say thirdly, we ought to be faithful in our worship. Hebrews 10.25 says, Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but so much the more. Uh, to, uh, as, uh, what, what am I saying? But exhorting one another so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me tell you this. If you're a Christian, you ought to be greater in your commitment to go to church even than you are to go to your work. If some people missed work for the same reasons they'd missed church, they wouldn't hold a job very long. Every time they get a little headache, they can't go to church, or they're a little tired today, or it's been a long week and they don't go to church. Hey, don't you think God deserves at least equal commitment and our faithfulness to come to the house of God and worship Him as we give to go to work to earn a dollar? To miss church unless providentially hindered is to be unfaithful. Can I say, not only should we be faithful in worship, but let me move on. We ought to be faithful in our word. We ought to be faithful in our word. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 22 says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are His delight. Plain and simple, and I don't have time to drive this home, but folks, listen to me. If we name the name of Christ, we must keep our word. We must be men and women of our word. Honest. Honest. If I had a dollar for every time I visited someone, knocked on their door, and they told me they were coming to church that Sunday and didn't show up, I'd be a wealthy man today. But you know what? Many of them are of their father, the devil, and he's a liar, and it doesn't surprise me they lie. But I tell you what is surprising when God's people lie, when God's people don't keep their word. We ought to be faithful in our work, our wealth, our worship, our word. Then can I say we ought to be faithful in our witness? Revelation chapter 1 and verse 5, Jesus is called the faithful witness. Listen to me, brothers and sisters. We ought to regularly share the gospel with others. You ought to keep gospel tracks on you wherever you go, in your purse, in your pocket, in the, in, the, in, the, in the side of your door of your vehicle, somewhere where they're readily available. Keep gospel tracks and pass them out. And then confront people about the, their, the love of Jesus Christ and their need for Him. And then can I say we ought to be faithful to our walk? The Bible says Enoch walked with God. Every day he spent time with God. I'll tell you what surprises me. Are you listening to me? I know so many people 
They are committed. I mean, faithfully, they walk their dog at least twice a day. Every morning and every evening. Some of them are so crazy, they carry around little bags and pick up the poop. I ain't picking up dog poop. I don't care if I live in a subdivision or where I live. Listen to me. Here's what I don't understand, though. People are committed, faithful, responsible to walk their dog twice a day and even pick up its poop. And some of you can't read your Bible morning and evening. You can't walk with God in the morning when you start the day and walk with God at the end of the day. People are more faithful to walk their dog than what we are to walk with God. We ought to be faithful in our wedding vows. I'm just saying God holds us accountable in all of these areas of life. I've given you two things. Let me give you one more and we're going to eat lunch. How does God regard responsibility? He takes it very serious and he says the standard is to be faithful. In all your responsibilities that God has given you in life, be faithful. Faithfulness speaks to us about the fact that of how God requires accountability. That someday we're going to have to stand before Him. He holds us accountable with what we do with our life. And you know how, let me tell you the surest way to fail that test. Make your life all about you. Make everything all about you. And you will fail the test of life. Life's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God and reaching others. Let me give you the third one. Faithfulness tells us how God rewards dependability. How God regards responsibility, how He requires accountability, and lastly, how God rewards dependability. Look at verses 20 through 23 of our story. Jesus said, And so he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents, saying, Lord, thou deliverest unto me five talents. Behold, I have gained beside them five talents more. Watch this now. His Lord said unto him, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. The story continues, verse 22. He also that had received two talents came and said, Lord, thou deliverest unto me two talents. Behold, I have gained two other talents beside them. His Lord said unto him, watch this now. Well done, good and faithful servant. Thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. Look right up here. Do you see how even though one person had more talents than the other, meaning more abilities, more gifts, more opportunities, I want you to see that even though one person had more talent than the other, yet they received the same reward. The one that was given five and brought a return investment of five, and the one that received only two and brought only two, they received the same reward for the Lord. Here's the beauty of that. Listen, look right up here. Here's what that tells us. God is not expecting equal fruitfulness, but God is expecting equal faithfulness. We don't all have the same abilities, same opportunities, nor do we all have the same responsibility But God expects all of us to show the same dependability. Meaning this, 
You are not accountable for being the best. But you are accountable for doing your best. You see, the Christian life, it's not a competition. The Christian life is not a comparison. But the Christian life is a commitment. First Corinthians chapter three and verse eight says this. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one. And listen, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. What you do with your life, what you do with your God given abilities, what you get, what you do with all the opportunities that God allows you. Listen, meaning this, we can all have equal success in God's eyes. The pastor that builds a church to a thousand and the pastor that builds a church to a hundred, if both of them are faithful, they're going to receive equal reward for the Lord. Equal success, God says. And did you notice God measures um, your success and your faithfulness in little things? He says, thou hast been faithful over a few things. I will make thee ruler over many. Jesus said, he that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in much. Have a vision. Have a dream of what God can do with this church. But can I tell you, God is looking to see what you do right now to determine what he's going to give you in the future. Will you be faithful with where you are right now in this aspect of your church's life? What you have right now, will you be faithful with the little And God says, if so, I'll give you the greater. I'll give you much. You know, look, let me just close it here. The greatest reward you could ever receive is to someday stand before Jesus and hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. But let me give you some deep theology about that. Are you listening? At the judgment seat of Christ, The Lord's not going to be passing out well-dones like they're participation trophies. Don't get this idea that, that, you know, there's going to be lines of millions of people coming by and Jesus is going to be saying, well done, well done, well done, well done. Everybody's not going to get a well done. You see, in order to get a well done from Jesus, you have to have done well. You have to, not, not average, not status quo, not mediocre, not good enough. If you want a well done, you got to do it well. You got to do life well. The Bible says, let us not grow weary in well doing. But we ought to grow weary of status quo. We ought to grow weary of just getting by, of having, oh, well, you know, that's good enough. Don't grow weary in well doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Close your eyes, but don't close your ears. Listen to me. Who here today, by way of an uplifted hand, could say, Pastor Johnson, if I died right now, I know for sure I would go to heaven, not because I'm good, not because I'm a Baptist, but because I've been born again through faith in Jesus Christ alone. If you know that and you're sure of it and you're not ashamed of it, would you lift your hand up, Pastor? I know beyond any shadow of a doubt. I know that I'm saved and on my way to heaven. Thank you. You Put your hands down. Christians are praying. If you could not raise your hand, I I want to be your friend. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to come to you. I'm not going to call you out. But I want to pray for you that you'll come to know Jesus Christ before it's too late. 
Would there be anybody here with no one looking but this preacher that would say, Pastor, if I died right now, I'm not sure that I would go to heaven, but I want to know that. Would you pray for me? If that's you, would you slip your hand up? Just let me see it, Pastor. I'm not sure if I died right now that I'd go to heaven. Okay, then according to your testimony, you're all saved. Now let me ask you this. How are you in your faithfulness to God? How are you? We've talked about a lot of different areas. Pastor, would you stand? You just stand where you are. By way of invitation today, and I know some of you are visiting. This is not necessarily your church home. If you're looking for one, I'd recommend this one. But for those of you who have decided this is my church, this is my pastor, how many of you would make a decision today that you're going to be faithful, that God can count on you, your pastor can count on you, and you would publicly confess that by right now standing with your pastor? Would you just stand and say, Pastor, and more importantly, God, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be faithful can count on me. I'll be dependable. Here's the beautiful thing about faithfulness. Anybody can be faithful if you want to. If you want to, you can be faithful. I tell you, if, if, if you're serious, every one of you that are standing, if you're serious about this commitment, it, the sky's the limit as to what God's going to do through this church. Amen. He doesn't need a lot of talented people. He doesn't need, you know, ability off the chart. He doesn't need the best-looking people. He doesn't need people that, you know, have friends in high places. You know what he needs you just to be? Faithful. And if you'll be faithful, God will do amazing things. Father, you see my brothers and sisters. I pray as they're standing right now, confessing to you and to their pastor that they're going to be faithful. I pray you'd consecrate this vow in their heart and in heaven. Lord, I pray that you'd help them to practice humble accountability with one another, meaning if they, are, are, if they miss church, if they're out and someone contacts them and says, we miss you, they won't get offended, but they'll say, thank you that somebody loves me. Thank you that someone's trying to help me to keep my decision. I pray, God, that you'd be pleased to take this, the faithfulness of your people, and that you would use them for your honor and your glory. Pastor, you come.